Today's scripture comes from the books of 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 10, and 1 Corinthians 1, verses 25 through 31. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 1 Corinthians 1, 25 through 31. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Boasting in weakness and in Christ alone. Boasting in weakness and in Christ alone. I'm going to preach out of, a, of these two tremendously, these passages are written by the Apostle Paul there in the Bible. There's no other literature in the whole world that says this kind of thing. Nothing. Okay? There's no other religion. There's no other wise man. There's no other great scholar that says anything like this. What is being said here is so strange and so completely counterintuitive to how the world works. And uh, that's what I want to talk to you about today, which is boasting in your weakness. If you are united to Jesus Christ and you start to understand what that means for your life, this is where you will go. You are being invited. You are being invited to go into a place where you will do something that is completely insane to the world, which is to boast of your weakness. 
Now, I did not know that I was going to plan to preach this, that the way the calendar was going to work out, I was going to preach this uh, before our particularization service. Uh, but it, it must be just a Jesus thing. I hope I do a good job today. Um, this is one of the best things I have. This is one of the best things I know. It is supremely strange. It is also, it digs so deep into who we are, it could hurt. And I don't know if you felt this last week. I mean, I look at your face last week. You guys were listening. <laughs> You're like, Susan is going into a crazy place today, right? And because I was. But that was just the, pre the prelude to today, okay? That's the prelude to today. And um, so I hope I can do a halfway decent job. And if I don't, I hope the Holy Spirit will get it across to you, okay? Let's get into it. Part one, the failure of our boasts. The failure of our boasts. I said to you last week, and I showed this to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that as of the man of dust, we are of the dust. That's the first Adam, the sinful fallen Adam. We are all like dust. And as I said to you the previous week before that, it's very, very difficult because dust is nothing. <laughs> dust is junk. When you have dust, you know, like uh, on some, you know, like uh, dust you know, like gathers on the thing that holds my TV. It all happens to you in your, in your house too. You know what we do with it? We just sweep it away. It's, it's annoying. It's nothing. It's worse than nothing. Let's get rid of it. Adam, the man of dust, right? And what I said to you last week was that this is the human condition. Deep, deep down human condition, this is who we are when we don't have God. And the way we cover that up is boasting, okay? Every kind that you can imagine. Right down to something really like I, I was trying to get at basic down to the, the stuff we buy, the money that we have, the degrees, whatever. All that stuff is the stuff that we do to cover up the dust nothingness of our life. So, okay, without getting too much in, let's just go to part one. The failure of our boasts. Part two, our weakness and Christ alone. I'm going to invite you, I'm going to call you to go to a place where you embrace your weakness with Christ. And that's it. <laughs> that's your life. At the center of your life. Will be your weakness. Plus Jesus. Okay. Part three. The inconquerable love of God. In union with Jesus Christ. The inconquerable love of God. In union with Jesus Christ. Okay. Let's return to that passage. I am. Um, I, um, I, I, I preached on last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, if you missed last week, I'm just going to ask you to go back, go into that sermon. I can't go into all of that. But this is a, an absolutely crazy passage. It actually starts in the previous chapter, chapter 11. And Paul's very apostleship, his legitimacy as a pastor, as a pastor of pastors, as one of the very pillars and foundations of the church 
after the resurrection of Jesus is being questioned by a church they planted. I mean, it's crazy. Okay? So, you know, they are a church of boasts. Corinth is a city very much like our city. A global port. Very, very important place in the, the first century Roman Empire. And the smartest people, the most ambitious people, you know, cross through that city. It's just like our city. And Paul, he begins to say, well, I'll boast. And let me tell you. And what he begins to boast is how he was beaten. How he's imprisoned. How he's rejected. How he's hated. And then he goes into this very strange phase. He goes, well, let me, let me give you some other ones. Um, I must go on boasting. There's anything to be gained by it. But I saw, you know, there's this guy. There's this guy. And he got to see things called the third heaven. I don't even know what that means. And nobody knows what that means. That guy, we could boast about that guy. But of me, I will not boast. And it's a completely strange construction. Because he's trying to tell you, well, he's telling you about himself. And then he takes you into this very strange place. So, verse 5. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast. Except of my weaknesses. Except of my weaknesses. All right. Verse 6, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. And then he goes on to say this thing. This is, this, it's very, very famous. So to keep me from becoming conceited, and then just in case we missed it, he'll say it again, to keep me from becoming conceited, there was this thorn in my flesh. Nobody knows what he's talking about. Okay, there's all these kind of speculations. Some have said that it's um, some kind of physical illness. Some have speculated that he had a problem with his eyes. I don't think so. <laughs> okay, I think it was something harder than that. I think it was much harder than that. Um, but it, it might have been in his soul. It might have been somewhere in his body that really afflicts his soul. I'm not sure. So it goes, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, I'll just start right here. Can you relate to what the heck he's talking about? Do you understand what he's talking about? Now, let just, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Okay, in Genesis chapter 3, I actually am preaching to you out of Genesis chapter 2.25 where it says the man and the woman were naked, but they were not ashamed. And then what I'm telling you is all of our life, because we are dust, we are naked, and we are ashamed. We are not physically naked. Most of you, you're all wearing clothes. You're all wearing decent clothes. Thank you. All right? But you're also wearing another set of clothes. You're wearing something to cover up your soul. 
And we walk through our life, we put on this thing, and it's the boast. It's the boast to cover up the nakedness of the dust. There's actually, when you get to Genesis chapter 3, it gets really strange. So, um, you know, Eve has this conversation with the serpent. She trusts, and then Adam trusts her. Both of them trust the serpent more than God, which is really strange and incredible. They grasp after power, and then they know they're naked. They're walking with God all the time. So um, here's, what I, here's what I, the reason I want to go here. This is the way your life is supposed to be. You go into the world, and you are naked before God. <laughs> you are naked before other people. But because you are with God, your whole worth, you are not dust. You're not nothing. You are not naked. So because they think they're naked, it's, which is strange because God is there. <laughs> because it's, they're, they're, they're naked, they cover up. And if you know the, the passage, they cover themselves in what's called a fig leaf. They grab a fig leaf and they cover themselves up. God walks into the garden and says, where are you? And says, well, we're, we're hiding because we're naked. And you know what God says? Who, who said you were naked? That's how strange it is. To God, if you're covering your nakedness up, there's something wrong. <laughs> there's something wrong. If you walk through life and there's this shame and it must be covered up, there's something wrong. Now, the reason I say this to you is because you all know that you wake up every day and shame is a normal thing in your life. Uh, you, 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 were, you, you, you wonder, you know, when I was 12 years old, I got this gigantic zit. Like this, this, like the, like this I think I was 11, actually. I wasn't even 12. It's like, see, I was a prodigy, okay? I was a prodigy, and I got a gigantic, and it was like monstrous, gross thing that was so big. And I looked at that, and I, it was just... So when you're 11 years old... Okay, that's the first time I find, I find like, the, I, I think I was 10 or 11, right around that. that I, I, there was this girl I liked. That was the first girl I ever liked. She, she can't see that. <laughs> so... That's, that's just that's one example. So it's shame. And just imagine just however many pimples you got in your life. It must be covered up. And that's the human condition. And when God sees us, he just, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Why are you hurting like that? You're with me. You're with me. Right. Union with Christ is to take you back better than the garden. <laughs> better than the garden. It's intended that you would be clothed with Christ. <laughs> okay? So, I'm going to ask you a question here now. What is the shame that you cover in your life? Whatever that is, there's a boast. There's a corresponding boast. That's how you live your life. And whatever that boast that you grasp after, you have to, have to, have to get it. 
If you don't get it, you will be nothing. <laughs> and you'll have the shame. So, and then, you know, so we're so, we, we have like uh, multiple ones of these. The average uh, Silicon Valley person, pretty successful too. Right, pretty successful too. I mean, just to live here, you have to have some measure of smarts and money making, etc. But um, you probably have a pretty good degree. You probably work pretty hard. You probably regularly feel that you should work more. And you probably feel guilty on days when you're not working. <laughs> okay? Why? Because then... Because then that work thing, you, it could slip away. And then you'll be naked and ashamed. Your boast, this thing that you, you attain through your work and all that, you, you won't have it. And then you'll be nothing. Um, I'll, 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 I'll lay one out of mine. I have taught all three of my children how to drive. It's, it's, not, it's not a great way to go. <laughs> I have very, very high standards about driving. Right? And that's a good thing. Right? But um, I've been a tyrant to all three children. And I've made all of them cry. <laughs> Why? So on one hand, I love all my kids. I desperately want them to be good drivers. But if they are a bad driver and get somebody killed or get themselves wrecked, then you know what will happen? My being a good dad, that boast. I've been, I've been, I've been meditating on why I'm such a jerk with, to my kids when we're in the car. So Elizabeth, this is for you partly, okay? I have dug down and found out it's got to have something to do with the boast. And the boast is I'm a good dad. And if you're a bad driver, I'm a bad dad. And it gets worse. If you're a bad driver and you get yourself killed, then you died because I was a bad dad. And since I was a bad dad, I will hate myself with an intensity that I cannot tell you because I failed my kids. So there's my love for my kids. And inside of my love for my kids, with all my good intentions and with all my sound knowledge of driving, is this boast. Man, it fails. It fails you. Here I am trying to be a good dad. In the middle of me being a good dad, I'm failing my kids. So that's just a particularly intense version. All you parents, you, you, you can think about that one. Okay? Next time you get really, really angry at your children, especially if you're, um, if you're regularly, if it's a regular thing, you should think about the boast question. Think about the boast question. What is your boast that you just got to have? 
It's just got to be you. you I got to be a good dad. I got to get into the school. I can't drive that car. That's like, a, that's like beneath me. <laughs> you should ask yourself, what is that thing that's beneath you? That's, that's, a, that's a boast. That's a boast. Uh, that's a way to ferret out the boast. There's all kinds of things that we do for this. Your achievements, money, okay? You know, I don't boast about my money. Of course you do. There's people that never spend any of their money, okay? So it, you never see their money on their, what, what they wear. You don't see it in their car. You don't see it in their vacations. You don't see it in their house. You know where it all is? It's in their savings, Their savings is their boast. I'm, I'm a sensible person. I just save it. Because I know the world's a dangerous place. So, and it's intense. And I'm not saying not save, okay? So don't get me wrong here, okay? There's no legalism here. Of course, saving is sensible. But if saving is your boast, you'll probably be kind of crazy about it. You all know people like this. Something in the way they handle something. You get to that point, and it's kind of like, that's weird. That's a little a bit much. You're, you're getting to the boast. You're getting into that place, into the center of their heart, where this must be covered up. You're getting to that place. You know why marriages have problems? You get married. And then you become naked before the other person. And then you're like, yo, hey, you got, you got this. And the person gets, your spouse is mad. <laughs> yo. And then you know what they do? And they point out yours. <laughs> so a little piece of marital advice. Get rid of the boast. Run to Jesus. Get really naked in front of Jesus. And be naked in front of your spouse. That's marriage. Then you'll have a great marriage. Okay. One more before I go to part two. So let's say we get to in front of you. You know, you're like, uh, you pass away. You get on judgment day before Jesus. Jesus asked this question. Now, if you don't believe in eternity, you don't believe in God, you're like, okay, it's that question. All right. The question is, why should I let you into my glory, to my house? my family to be with me forever and ever. I hope you care about that question. I hope you care about that question. You should care very, very much about that question. It's about as intense a question as there can be. One of the reasons I think we live in a completely crazy place is because there's so many people, they don't care, they don't care about that question. They're completely treating themselves like, you know, a, a, a temporary piece of meat that's like walking meat. And they just don't know that the expiration date is coming up really soon. And then there's this kind of thing called eternity. So people who do that are treating themselves in an inhuman way or treating other people in a human way. Don't, don't do that, please. Treat yourself like an eternal being who's going to talk to the most important eternal being. And he's going to ask that very, very important question. So, why should you get to be in my glory with me forever and ever? And I hope your answer won't be something like this. 
Because I, I, I'm a pretty good Christian. Don't you know Jesus? You know, I'm, I'm one of yours. I've been, you know, been to church all the time. I'm a really good Christian. If you say that to Jesus, you're going to get, bing, door number two, eternal damnation. Because <laughs> your boast is in your religion, in your performance. Your boast is in that. <laughs> and for that, you will not get to be with Jesus forever now. If you want to get to know Jesus, here's how we show up in weakness. And that's it. There's no boast. There's no boast apart from him. Do you read the passage? Let him who boasts only boast in the Lord. Or if we boast, we boast only in weakness. The only way we can be this way is if you have the gospel and you know that you're united to Christ and clothed only in him. That's the way we get to be. And if you can get to this place, you believe in this. I know you believe in it and you'll fall out of it. You believe in it and you'll fall out of it. I'm taking you to this place. It's the best place. Let's go to part two. I want to take you to the second passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. It goes like this. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse, 20, verse 29. You know, he goes through all this stuff. Like, not many of you were strong. You weren't smart. You weren't good looking. You didn't come from noble birth. Okay, that's the way you were. Verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God did it on purpose. He did it on purpose. He chose the weak, the dumb, the ugly, the shameful, the diseased, the rejected, the losers of the world. He chooses them. He likes them. He wants us. No mountain you won't climb out. That's what we just sung. So he can come after us. The weak. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus. In Christ, you know what that is? United to Christ. You are united to Jesus Christ. In Christ is just are like the two most important words of the human language in Christ. Okay? Don't think those are the most important words. It's united to Jesus Christ. Who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So you know what Jesus is? You could be so dumb. But if you're united to Christ, you have wisdom from God. You could be so bad, so gross. But if you're united to Jesus, you're covered by righteousness from God. You can have, you can have sanctification. You're like, oh, sanctification, gosh. I'm a, such a dirty person, such a messed up person, a lying and weak and sad and depressed and angry and selfish, etc. 
united Jesus. He's your sanctification. You're clothed in that and there's no more shame. And our redemption. You're not lost. You've been bought. Verse 31. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made uh, perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. I will boast all the more gladly my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Those verses are the same. He's saying the same thing. He's saying the same thing. What is he saying? Here's what I want to say about this. Uh, we go through life, and you know what we're doing? We're building our life one boast after another. First, you've got to get good grades. Then you go to good school. Or, okay, you're not one of those. Okay, first I'll become captain of the football team. Then I'll get the, 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 the prettiest girl in school. <laughs> And since I'm captain of the football team and I have the prettiest girl in school, all the cool people will like me and I don't have to get good grades because I'll get hired anyway after my football career because I'm the captain of the football team and I have the prettiest girl in school. That's the other way. You know, usually kind of the Asian nerdy ways to get all the good grades. Because usually the captain of the football team is not usually <laughs> an Asian guy, right? So, like, just different pathways to boast. One of the things I, I, I notice about being a Christian pastor today, especially in a city like this, people show up at church and they're not interested in this. They're not interested in church. God, Jesus, grace, sin. So boring. Sin. This city here make me feel bad about myself while they're walking around, covering up their lame dust with their lame boasts which is all just going to fail soon anyway. Um, there, there's a, one of my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. You guys know the song, Glory Days? If you're, if, if you're, you're young, you don't know the song. But probably, look it up. Go to Spotify, look up the song, Glory Days. It's about a guy who's just drinking it's far after high school. And what's he talking about? All the days when he was so glorious in high school. And they talk about some girl when she was in high school and she was all pretty. All the glory days. It's a song about boasting. I don't care who you are and what you do. All your boasts will become nothing. <laughs> nothing. If it is a boast apart from Jesus, it will, somewhere along the line, it'll be something today and then it'll become Nothing. But, and we love all these things. You know, like, I, I, I badly want the Warriors to win the, the, uh, the championship this year. I badly, I want that. And so when Steph Curry just gets a bad, even though he's my favorite player in the world, right now anyway, okay? I, I get mad at Steph, though I love Steph, because he's screwing up our boast. You're screwing up my boast. <laughs> Steph, stupid, dude. Even though you're the greatest, okay? Screws if you're the greatest, you're screwing it up. <laughs> I'm getting mad at Steph, who I love. I, I mean, I love, I mean, he's, he's like not only our greatest player, but he's like a brother in Jesus. 
He's even like humble, like, and loves Jesus. So I like doubly love him. I love him because he's my brother, but then I'm getting really mad at him because he's like screwing up my boast. And, and it's, we're talking about basketball, man. <laughs> it's basketball. <laughs> when the season's over, in about three or four or five years, nobody's going to care. <laughs> Very few people will care. You know what we'll do? Glory days. <laughs> they will pass you by glory days. We're going to all sing the Bruce Springsteen song. Everybody's boast turns into the stupid Bruce Springsteen song. So I look in the city. Everybody's looking at all these secular boasts, and it's just like, uh. But you know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for the person who understands their weakness. Their weakness. Um, you guys have been, you know, for those of you who've been with me, you know, I can get kind of intense, right? When you're hanging out with me, I'm kind of a relaxed dude. <laughs> Up here, I get like intense, like today. And, um, and, and you notice like a lot in so many of my sermons and something, you know, sometimes Joe and Young get on me for this. I get up here and the first part of all my sermons, most of them, most of them anyway, I'm telling you what's wrong with you. Like today. Like today. You're like, gosh, you're like, sucks. Man, it, some days it hurts more than others, doesn't it? Like if I get up here and I tell you what's, what sucks about you and it's like, that's not your day. You're like, that's not me. <laughs> you're like, hey, that's good. You're like, hey, that's, Bob, that's my, you know, my wife. <laughs> you're sitting there like, eh, eh, that's you, babe. <laughs> Right? And so you feel relaxed that day. But then when I say it and you're sitting there going, oh crap, that's me. Because I have to take you to your weakness. You know how we come to Jesus? If you did not face this, that you go into yourself, you see all this like dusting nothingness and you know, like all the thing that you do to your boast, your self-esteem, your self-worth, you know, like literally our culture is always talking about self-esteem, self-esteem. It's, like, it's the religion of our times. It's like all that is like, just cover up their nothingness. The kids know it's, they're, they, they're, they're still nothing. That's why they're still depressed. The kids know that they can get into this such and such school and they still know that they're nothing. And they, they, like, that's why they kill themselves. And then if they're not killing themselves, they're doing drugs. If they're not doing drugs, they're sleeping around. If they're not doing dr sleeping around, they're doing alcohol. And then they, what they do is they, you know, like in my college, from Monday through Thursday, and, you know, I went to, like, an, a prestigious school. Some of you guys know that school. It's not too far from here. People studied like complete dogs, and then on Thursday night, they got totally hammered. <laughs> but but when you know you have that weakness inside and that weakness, like nothing can hit that, then Jesus becomes very interesting. <laughs> it becomes very, very interesting. <laughs> I want you to go to the place where you look at your weakness and instead of just constantly like, oh gosh, I hate that part of myself and just cover it up with whatever boasting that you like to do, whatever avoidance you do, whatever denial you do, you're like, net, more Netflix. Netflix plus Haagen-Dazs. That's, that's, that's mine, right? 
or, you know, like that's a Warriors plus haagen That's mine, right? It's, it's, it's very respectable, okay? <laughs> it's a very respectable way to cover up. <laughs> but whatever what you do, you get to that place of weakness, look at that most terrible thing of your weakness and say, if I have Jesus with this, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm better than okay. Because if you didn't have this weakness, you wouldn't go to Jesus. That's how it is. If we did not, if we had this weakness and this nakedness, if there was some other way, just any, any other way, if there was some other way to deal with it, we would. And the world is trying everything to deal with it. So, you know, the people do, who do the drugs, they do the achievement, all this stuff. We're trying to deal with this problem. It's kind of like it's strange. I'm depressed. Let me give you more drugs to deal with the depression. The depression. It's this problem still. In my weakness, oh gosh, I hate this part of me. This is it. So we got to fix this, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. So, but Jesus will show up and say, I'll be united to you. It's like the return to the garden. We're going to walk in the world together. You'll be naked in front of me. We'll be absolutely close. And everything that's weak and terrible about you, it's okay. I'll put it on me. I'll swallow it up. Can you believe that? If you have weakness and you have Christ, you have it all. If you have strength, absolute greatest strength, you have a billion dollars, you're super good looking, everybody worships you, you got a great hot wife, you got a, you know, she adores you, your kids adore you, of course, we, now we all know we're talking about fantasy now, right? <laughs> if you have every strength upon strength, but you don't have Jesus, you're just walking meat. Just waiting for your boast to turn to nothing. And you will find out you're nothing. But if you will unite yourself to Jesus and accept that this is at the biggest, best thing in my life, you could take on anything in your life. You'll get over yourself. Your fears, you'll conquer your fears faster. Your shame will wash off you. You're like, someone will tell you, you're, okay, I, I gave an example. Uh, I, I preached a version of this thing a number of years ago. The example I gave when I guest spoke for this was, literally, um, I was uh, in a restaurant teaching the leaders of this church because I was going to be their guest speaker at a retreat that like, hey, I'm, you know, like people say I'm loud and, you know, opinionated intellectual and in the middle of this restaurant this woman came up to me and said well, you're really really loud would you please not be so loud <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> and she shamed me in a restaurant in front of a bunch of godly people <laughs> I was like that's who I am stupid Susan loud 
talks way too much, opinionated, obnoxious. That's, that's who he is. You guys all know that's true, right? <laughs> but I'm clear with Jesus. If I was only allowed opinionated intellectual, even if I had all these other things, let's say I had like, I was smart and I was rich. Let's say I'm like, like 10 times better looking than I am. <laughs> you might give me the time of day. Lord Jesus. That's why you really listen to me, isn't it? I'll let you know my weakness. You don't even have to, I don't even have to tell you. You just know me. If you know me well enough, I'm not going to try to hide it. Because it's just me. All my weakness and Christ. Can you boast in that alone? Those things. I'm inviting you to have a real life. Not the life of dust, as is the man of dust, but the man of eternity, the man from heaven, the man who walks into the world and doesn't cover dust, doesn't have to worry about that. So in fact, you, he could put all the shame and weakness and rejection of the world on him, and he could defeat it. He could handle it. He could even say, bring it. Paul can even bring it. Isn't that crazy? Do you want this kind of life? Or do you just want more money? You just want just like perfect health for your kids, all that other stuff. Those things are nice. But no matter how many of those things you get, I'm telling you, get Christ like this in your weakness, both in the weakness and in Christ alone. Both in your weakness and in Christ alone. You are now walking on the streets with heaven. You're walking to heavenly life. Why do I tell you this crazy thing? Because I love you. It's the best thing I got. It's absolutely insane. I know. From the world's point of view, it's absolutely insane. But from Jesus, this is the greatest sanity there ever is. And if Revive Church will have people like this, dude, we're going to be an incredible place. <laughs> Let's close. I'm just going to close with this passage. The incomparable love of God in union with Christ. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible when I was a young man. I used to read this thing when I used to feel really bad, where I felt like I was going to fail a midterm and become nothing. Oh, no, I'm going to fail a midterm and become nothing. I'd read a Bible passage, okay? It's Romans chapter 8. I'm just going to read this to close it out. It's, it sounds, I, when I read this, it, it all just seems so good from like a kind of sentimental perspective. It just seems over the top. But as soon as you believe that you are clothed in Christ alone, including in every weakness there can possibly be, and thus you're never separated from the way he covers up shame and weakness and makes you strong even in your weakness, as soon as you believe that, you can start to understand this passage. So let me close up. I dare you to believe 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31. And now, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Here it goes. 
What then shall we say to these things? I won't get into all of these things, okay? But he said a bunch of stuff. If God is for us, who can be against us? Even you. Who can be against you? Not even you. If God is for you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? With him graciously give you all things. With him. You know what that is? Union with Christ. Verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? That's the one that God chooses. People can shame you. They could hate you. You can hate you. Who shall bring any charge against God's chosen one? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who has died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. So who is to condemn? If you are condemned, but you are with Christ, but he just told you Christ Jesus died and was raised, that's yours. <laughs> Union with Christ, see? That's yours. So nobody can condemn you. Think about that. Think about that next time someone tells you you're stupid, or you're ugly, or you're hateful, or you're bad. Think about that the next time you tell yourself you're stupid, ugly, hateful, bad. You don't deserve anything good. You don't deserve anything better. It's because, you know, whether it's you, somebody says to you, or you, you say it to you. By the way, if you, you're saying it to you, you're just allowing the devil to speak to you. Who is to condemn? But say, wait a second. Jesus has died for me, and I'm united to him. This is the bottom, bottom thing about me. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? All these weaknesses. Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Which is another way of saying, well here we as pastors, we're just getting killed. The world hates us already. This is happening for you. Verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation, nor anything else in all creation, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. In Christ. In union with Christ. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Boast of your weakness and Jesus alone. And let Romans 8 wash over you. And though you walk through whatever terrible thing that happens in you or with you or from even from you, you will walk with the man of heaven. You will walk in the humanity of heaven. And you'll be undefeatable. Let's pray. Lord, I hope I did a good job there. 
I hope even right now as I pray. All these brothers and sisters whom I love so dearly. Lord Jesus, you came down from the almighty place of perfection into our hearts of our desperate place of nothingness and weakness. This place where we're just such fools and we seek boasts, boasts of me, boasts in the world. But you are so, so good to us when you let those boasts fail. You are so, so good to us. You love us when you let our boasts crumble before us. So that we get to that place when we're so sad, when we feel so vulnerable, when because we are so weak. And I pray that after this sermon, that everybody who's here listening to this would always run naked, filled with weakness, and be clothed to you. You're right there. The Holy Spirit binds them to you. The Holy Spirit will take you to them to you. And you will come to them by the Holy Spirit. And they will know, I am fully weak. But I have Christ. And in Him alone, I can boast. In this crazy place, because the real person I am is this, this weak person. I can be utterly naked. And be embraced, be clothed, united to Jesus Christ. And in him, the love of God will be upon me forever and ever and ever. I pray that my brothers and sisters will believe that. If there's anybody here who's listening to this message who does not yet believe that, I pray that they would go to you now and bow down before you. And you would give them this great, great blessing to be united to you forever. Cause us now to respond to you, give our hearts to you, pour out ourselves to you, put every weakness before you, to become glad that we're like, oh, yeah, those are my weaknesses. <laughs> and to place them before you and to be loved by you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us this way. In Jesus' name, amen.